You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Wednesday, November 8th, and we're talking at Red Sox baseball today with Ian Brown, our Red Sox reporter with MLB.com. Ian, we thank you for the time and uh, a lot to get to today with the Red Sox. Uh, Alex Cora at long last uh, introduced as the uh, new Red Sox manager. Mookie Betts comes away with a gold glove. Uh, the Red Sox have a new hitting coach, but unfortunately the dominant news item today as we talk on this Wednesday afternoon, uh, 24 hours removed uh, from the tragic passing of uh, Roy Halladay, the former two-time Cy Young winner with the Blue Jays uh, and the Phillies. The guy had a perfect game on his resume. The guy had a postseason no-hitter on his resume, one of only two pitchers ever to do that. Uh, But, Ian, the thing that struck me, uh, obviously you can go down the list of uh, accomplishments he had as a player, but as all these recollections pour in from former players and teammates and opponents, uh, they all talk about just what a great guy he was. Uh, Obviously passionate about flying, something that filled his uh, retirement days and uh, a wonderful husband, tremendous father to two young boys. And, you know, Ian, this one, obviously it really hurts. And uh, any particular memories or recollections from you from uh, the the many games that he spent pitching against the Red Sox during his uh, Blue Jays days? Yeah, you know, this is a tough one for everyone who, you know, ever watched him pitch or was had remotely crossed paths with him. Uh, You know, consummate professional. But, yeah, I just remember – you know, countless great games he pitched against the Red Sox back when, uh, you know, the Red Sox were a top offense there in kind of the mid-2000s. Uh, and just, uh, you know, his conviction in his pitches and just the pace of game. And, uh, you know, he would pitch these, these two-hour and 20-minute uh, beautiful games. And he'd lock up with uh, Pedro. I saw him and uh, Halliday and Pedro lock up in just a couple of uh, classic games. And those are just, uh, as a sports writer, those are the type of games you love to be at because, uh, you know, they, they kind of brought out the best. And each other, um, and uh, yeah, like I said, it's really tough news to hear that uh, you know Roy is gone at uh, at 40 years old. Yeah, it's just uh, it is so tragic and uh, so sad, and this one really uh, shook the sports world to its core. And you know, one of the things that I admired so much about Roy Halladay as a competitor is that if you go back and look at the beginning of his career, he had a decent rookie season, didn't blow anybody away, didn't win Rookie of the Year or anything like that, but he was okay. His next year, I mean, there's no other way to say it, he was terrible. I mean, he had an ERA over 10. He was sent all the way down to single A and comes back and completely reinvents himself, wins the first of two Cy Youngs a couple years later uh, as a member of the Blue Jays. And, Ian, can, can you recall any Red Sox player having made such a drastic transformation from a guy that just seemed completely lost at the big league level, gets sent down to the minors, and comes back and not only becomes a productive major leaguer, but one of the best in the game. I mean, I, I, I certainly can't recall. What about you? Yeah, no, I've never seen anything uh, to that level. I mean, just, uh, you know, what he did. You know, we saw some big ups and downs of Clay Buckles. You know, at, uh, you know Clay Clay's ups were never <laughs> quite what Roy Halladay was. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's the only even remote example I can think of. But, yeah, it's just uh, very impressive how he was able to, kind of turn that career uh, into what a lot of people think is going to be a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, absolutely. And that'll be, uh, you know, a bittersweet day uh, if that day comes when he's elected to Cooperstown as he is obviously uh, no longer here to uh, join in those festivities. But uh, such a, a sad, tragic loss for baseball at just the age of 40. It just it just hits you hard in so many ways. 
Uh, well, Ian, uh, trying to transition uh, from that difficult news, uh, let's talk about the official introduction of uh, Alex Cora as the new manager of the Red Sox. The presser uh, took place back on Monday. My biggest takeaway from the press conference, and I'll see if you agree, is that I was really struck by just how supremely confident he was in everything he said. I, I mean, any new manager or coach in any sport that gets introduced, they're going to project confidence and positivity. But he pretty much stood up there and said, you know what, I, I know all the stories about managing in this pressure cooker, you know, in Boston and the relentless media cycle. And I'm ready for it. You know, it's something that doesn't scare me. I've played here. I've won a World Series here. And I'm ready to handle this. And for a guy that's never managed a big league game in his life, that really stood out to me, uh, that supreme confidence that he projected. What about you? Yeah, no, that was impressive. I mean, he's just not going to be thrown by anything. And uh, for a 42-year-old guy who's never managed before, never kind of been uh, the face of a, uh, of a big franchise like the Red Sox before, pretty impressive, you know, what uh, – you know, the way uh, he did bring a very confident message. He almost welcomes whatever pressure is going to come his way. <clears throat> but, you know, like any manager, we'll see what happens. You know, he's going to have some adversity and uh, how he comes through that. Um, and, you know, anybody can sound good in the press conference, but um, you're not going to know how it's all going to go uh, until it actually happens. But there's every reason to think that he's going to be a very good manager. Um, was always a very smart player. He's had some great experience with the, the WBC. He was the general manager for Puerto Rico. Uh, he was a winter ball manager in Puerto Rico the last, or a winter ball manager in Puerto Rico the last couple of years. His team just won the championship, uh, the Caribbean Series this year. So, look, I think that he's really going to be able to relate to people, and uh, it's going to be fun to see you know how this evolves for Alex Cora. Yeah, no question. And uh, this is the guy that the Red Sox uh, clearly wanted uh, from day one. But as you said. When that first uh, five-game losing streak happens, and at some point it will, uh, that's going to be the true test of, uh, of his medal and uh, to see how he handles uh, the questions and the second-guessing and the finger-pointing that inevitably will happen at some point. Uh, so that'll be the true uh, real test for Alex Cora. But so far, so good, and everybody is uh, all smiles. Uh, and on the, the player front, Mookie Betts uh, celebrates his second straight gold glove and uh, he joins a bunch of uh, nobodies, guys I've never heard of, uh, Dwight Evans, Yaz, Fedlin, only outfielders in our Red Sox history to win multiple gold gloves, so some elite company there. I think we got to take a moment here to remember that this guy came up through the Red Sox system as a second baseman, and only because of the presence of Dustin Pedroia did they kind of say to themselves, well, he's, you know, he's not going to take over second base, but we got to do something with him. The kid's too talented. They put him out there in the outfield, and boom, uh, two straight gold gloves. Is it fair to wonder if he'd be this even half this good defensively had he remained an infielder? Because just to me, it's stunning the transformation he's made. Yeah, no, I think this guy was, was built to play the outfield. And, uh, you know, as great an athlete as he is, I'm sure he would be a good infielder too. But I think that his skills, you know, with that speed he has, the pure speed and the leaping ability and all that stuff and the, the strong arm, now that would have been a waste at second base. So I just think that he plays perfectly as an outfielder, and it was a very smart move by the Red Sox at the time to, to move him to the outfield, and he, he's really taken to it. And uh, I don't think he'll ever be leaving the outfield. Let's, let's hope not. As uh, two straight gold gloves at a 16 and 17, and hopefully uh, many more on the way for uh, Mookie Betts uh, in the years to come. Uh, Ian, Mitch Moreland uh, not given a qualifying offer, uh, gave the Red Sox uh, in 2017 pretty much what they thought he would give them, a very dependable glove at first base and a, and a very solid bat. So 
does that make the plan at first base basically Eric Hosmer or bust right now? I mean, is are they going all in on this guy given the fact that they've let Moreland go now? You know, man, I'm not really sure about that. I wouldn't I wouldn't portray it like that. I mean the Red Sox have options here. They could move uh you know, they could move Hanley back to first base, which would uh you know, they could plug in somebody else at DH in that stamp in that situation, or if they got um a JD Martinez who I think might be the top offensive target, um they would you know, have some flexibility there. Uh Hosmer's an option currently, but uh you know, I think that uh, they can't get both Hosmer and J.D. Martinez, and I just get the sense that J.D. might be uh, a better fit for this team, a uh, right-handed bat that they could put in the middle of the lineup. So, uh, you know, it remains to be seen how these dominoes fall uh, for the Red Sox. But, uh, you know, they can always bring Moreland back, too, with a deal uh, similar to the one that, that he was on. So we're just going to have to see uh, how these pieces uh, kind of come together this winter. Yeah, a few different directions that uh, Dave Dombrowski could go with the offseason. Going to be very interesting to see uh, who is manning first base on opening day and beyond. Uh, for the Red Sox in 2018. And, uh, Ian, to begin to wrap up here, the Red Sox have a new hitting coach. It is uh, Tim Hires, who is hired, if you will. He was uh, the assistant uh, in L.A., uh, obviously a very successful season with the Dodgers in 2017. Hires has some uh, New England and Boston roots. Uh, kind of talk about those for us. Yeah, no, uh, you know, he's uh, he's got a, a great approach, really, with <laughs> you know, with hitting. And he just is really of the mindset that you just got to – be aggressive with your pitch. Make sure you know going to the bat what your pitch is, and just kind of uh, you know just kind of jump on that. And he has spent time, as he said, with the Red Sox organization. He was a um, a minor league instructor. He actually spent some time with the major league staff. Uh, it was 2014 when Greg Colburn, the hitting coach at the time, um, had some sort of an illness. Hires actually uh, helped out on the staff for uh, for the rest of that year. So he, you know he is familiar with with some of these guys, and I think that uh, his philosophy. Uh, more of a fly ball guy, maybe. Um, and they're going to preach kind of being aggressive early in the count. So I think it's going to be interesting to see this, the way this offense kind of comes together under Tim Hires. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The Red Sox, of course, despite uh, the division crown and 93 wins, last in the American League uh, in home runs. That is unheard of uh, <laughs> for this franchise, especially in recent years. And maybe Hires uh, gets these guys to hit a few more. Over the outfield wall in 2018, uh, time will tell. Ian Brown, thanks so much for the time on this Wednesday. We'll do it again next week. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Boston Red Sox.